I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, it's your host at NFL on Twitter. Give me a follow and of course follow the group at UK Packers. So, you know, it's Friday, it's a celebrity episode. It's actually becoming Super Bowl winner episode because on this week's episode, we have a Super Bowl winner, an all-around Packer favourite. You're going to know him when I say it. It's Mr. Gilbert Brown. Gilbert, how are you? Hey man, how you doing, man? Hi, right, what's going on? I, I, I ain't never. I, I like the accent. I love the accent. <laughs> I love it. Well, I look, love it. I tell you what, right? Leroy Butler told me at the start of his podcast interview. He said that he trades Super Bowl rings for my accent. Do we have that deal as well, Gilbert? Can I give you some? No, baby, I wouldn't go that far. Nah, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I like it. I like it. I, if I was making a movie, I had you be the bad guy, but that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds good. Cool. Colin Farrell can uh, go by the wayside. Steedy, the NFL, is is in the movie. But Gilbert, it's great to catch up with you. Thanks for agreeing to come on the podcast. It's always brilliant to have a legend like yourself. Um, and always what I like to do is to try to give the fans over here, you know, a bit of a flavor, something that they might not have known about you. And in order okay. to do that, I like to sort of, you know, let me pick your brain a little bit, Gilbert. Let me, let's let's park the Super Bowl talk and the talk of Reggie White and Brett Favre and how you were dominant. And let's pull okay. it all the way back like we usually do. You grew up in Detroit, Gilbert. Now, Detroit, for an Irishman like me, is synonymous with crime, poverty. It can be a bad area. Did you experience yeah. that Detroit when you were growing up? Was it a tough place to be back in the day, Gilbert? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I lived in the inner city, west side of Detroit. Actually, I went to high school with Jerome Bettis. Y'all know the bus. Yeah. You know, I, blo- I blocked for him. So I always tell people if I didn't block for him, he would have never went to Notre Dame. So, <laughs> you know. But, oh, yeah, I mean, it, it was tough streets, man. It was tough things. It was, uh, you know, all that is built up to be eight miles, seven miles, all that stuff, man. But, you know, in the time of me growing up and doing that, you know, uh, people always ask me, well, who was your role model? Who'd you look up to? And I always tell everybody it was my mother. Yeah. You know, I'm a mama's boy, and, and, and I can see her. I can touch her. I can see the decisions that she makes every day. So that was my big role model when I was growing up because it was something I know that was real. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's that's what got me through was my mama and, and brothers and sisters that I had. Yeah, because your family is, uh, you know, from reading about your family, Gilbert, you were, you, it was just full of athletes. I mean, everybody in your family seemed to be very athletically gifted. Why was that, do you think? Was it drilled into you as a kid? Was it very important at home that you got involved in sports? Or was it just something like in your genes? You were all just very gifted athletes. Well, well, it might have been in all that grease, Mama Cook. i tell you that much. But <laughs> other than that, you know, my brother my brother was the lead dog, man. He, my oldest brother. You know, he went out and started playing sports. And, you know, I was a mama's boy. So I always wanted to sit up on the mama and eat cakes and pies and stuff. And, <laughs> but, you know, he, 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 he kind of pulled me into the game, man. And... And and first time I ever played football, I hated it, man, because you got hurt. It hurt, you know. But somehow, somehow, you know, you get past all that and you start to love the game and then enjoy the game and figure out the game. And 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 I was really a student of the game after that. So you know, it, it trickled down from my brother and my brother and to me and then my sisters and everybody. So you know, everybody was pretty good athletes in the house, man. Yeah, and I mean, why did you pick defense? You know, obviously, from what you're saying, and everyone knows how big you are. You know, you were you were scared. 
even look if yeah. anybody out there look up a youtube video of gilbert and uh, do you know what it's the yeah. dark visor uh i don't yeah. uh, do you know what after seeing your videos many years ago i don't see the boogeyman yeah. around you know uh, scared of in the dark i imagine you coming out and murdering me you know uh, but why did you pick defense gilbert was it because of your size and that's where the coaches put you or was it something that you felt passionate about no actually if you go back i was i was i was uh number nine or number seven uh most wanted athlete in michigan back then yeah at offensive tackle but my nature my nature is i love to choke folks you know what i'm saying <laughs> i love to choke folks i love to get down and dirty with folks i'm not a passive guy i'm an aggressive guy offensive linemen are more passive guys because sometimes they gotta sit back and pass block they get aggressive when they go run but i'm aggressive all the time yeah. So when I went on a couple of my recruiting trips uh, to college, going over, you know, they meant, oh, we need you at offensive tackle, offensive guard. And I said, nope, I'm not coming here. I want to play defense. And, and, and you guys got to understand, Jerome Bettis was a hell of a linebacker. Yeah. Hell of a linebacker. You know what I'm saying? But he chose offense. So it was like the kind of opposite of what we was doing, you know, but I enjoy being physical. I enjoy uh, like I say, choking folks. Because where in the world can you go and choke somebody and don't get to go to jail? You see <laughs> what I'm saying? So that's how, I like, that's how I like to play the game, man. Physical and hard. Yeah, and then why did you choose Kansas? Because, I mean, as as you said, I mean, you were a top-touted uh, athlete. So so why did you choose Kansas, yeah. uh, Kansas at the end of the day? Well, see, at the end of the day, you look at it like this. At, at the time, you know, Michigan. I had Michigan, Michigan. My five top visits was Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah. Minnesota, Kansas, and UCLA. Okay, I made it. I made it to all of them. But the thing about it was, uh, at the time, Michigan, Bo Schembechler was leaving. Michigan State had George Perlis. I didn't think they was gonna do anything. Um, Minnesota wanted me to play offensive line, and then when I got to Kansas, Kansas said, "Hey man, you got an opportunity to start. You got an opportunity to come here and make sure." And it was a challenge to me because, you know. They in the big. They was the big eight at the time. They had Oklahoma, Colorado, Nebraska, Missouri. You know, Kansas is in there, and it's a challenge to me because you know I, now I ain't got an opportunity where I got to sit on the shelf for two years. I can come in and start as a freshman. I can make my own name. I'm getting away from home because if I'd have stayed up at Michigan, Michigan State, Mama would have been up there every weekend. So I ain't even <laughs> do that. So I just chose. I chose. Uh, Kansas man and I got to Kansas and you got an apartment here with you know you got two bedrooms you got a kitchen you got a living room and a bathroom I mean I mean free telephone free cable I said heck yeah this one woman did instead of being in a dorm where you got me and another guy and if somebody farting there you're gonna kill both of us you know what I mean uh, what what was the experience like when you did get to Kansas then? Was it everything that you thought it would be with your dorm room, you know, or was it all more so focused on football and you didn't really get a minute, it was all just focused on playing ball? I'ma tell you I'ma tell you this, man. I'ma tell you this. At age fourteen, I sat on my mama's front porch and I told her, I said, Mama, I'ma buy I'ma play professional football, I'ma buy you a big old house and you ain't gonna never have to work again. Yeah. So I put those blinders on, man. So when I got when I got to Kansas, I wasn't the best student in the world. And you know what I'm saying? But I focused, man, because I want, I told my mama something, and I'm going to live up to it. And would you believe that I made academic all-big eight while I was at Kansas? Yeah. Blew my mind, man. And, and then I put those blinders on about playing the game, you know? And, 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 and everything to me meant something at the University of Kansas because I earned it. 
Nobody gave me a thing. I earned it. That's what I want, and that's what I got. And so do you think it was always realistic to you and always you always thought that you would end up in the NFL? Because it's a common fact that only 2% of all college athletes end up in the pro game. So did you uh-huh. always have it, and did you always think that that was a realistic goal? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, because that's what I told myself. I wouldn't accept anything else. I can't accept anything else. If you are, if you have the right mind frame and you're driven to something, you can achieve it. Never talk yourself out of it, man. If you know that's what you want, then damn it, go get it. And don't accept nothing else. Never quit. You know what I'm saying? And you did. You made the pro game. Third third rounder to the Vikings. Uh, boo! It's all a boo, yeah, right? <laughs> the Vikings suck. What I mean, what was it like, Gilbert, when you went into training camp? Uh, did you have any inclination that they were going to cut you? Horrible. You know? Horrible, man. Because, I mean, I, well, once I got there... I know I couldn't fit their defense. You know, I'm looking at them like, okay, everybody's just upfield. Why, why, why? You know, you had John Randall, Henry Thomas at the time at, on the inside guys. You had Chris Dolman, and I forgot who the other end was out there. So I'm out there. You know, in first practice, they put those hoops out there, right? Yeah. That you go around and do like a figure eight. They had put two hoops together. So they said, okay, you got to run around this here. I said, now, now you got to go try to catch John Randall. Go. So I'm running around this damn hoop. I, I could have ran around that for three days and never caught it. You know what I'm saying? I ain't no sprint star. You know, even though I ran track and everything in high school, I was pretty fast. Ain't no way in the world I'm going to catch that dude. So they say, okay, you can't catch him, so let's turn it around. Now, because when he catch you, if he catch you, now you got to run three laps uh, after practice. I'm like, run. okay, go, boom. He caught me. So I just I just took off and started running, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was it was rookie hazing. It was all that crap, man. And I just I just didn't I just didn't fit in. And then I get that call, you know, I mean, I was holding my own on the field now, yeah. you know, but I got that call from Dennis Green to come in his office. I, I made it all the way to the first week of the first game, okay? Yeah. Dennis Green called me in his office, um, God rest his soul. Dennis Green called me in his office and said, hey, Gilbert, okay, we lo- we need it. We need, we got to bring in a running back. So what we're going to do is we're going to put you, uh, we're going to hide you in the hotel for a couple of days, put your wave, and then we're going to bring you back on practice squad until another spot open up. All I was thinking about is, do you still get paid? Because we ain't getting paid. I'm going home to mama. You know, so he said, you know, just going back in there. So this is what I did. I, I left his office. Yeah. I didn't even go in the locker room to my locker. I, went out, I got in my car because I'm thinking I better get my butt over here. So I get my butt over, drive over to the hotel. As soon as I walk through the hotel, I, I knew the girl at the front desk. She said, hey, uh, you got a call from Gary Reynolds from the Green Bay Packers. I said, really? I said, okay, I'll go up, I'll go up to my room and I'll take the call. So I went up there. I called him. I talked to him. He said, hey, man, uh, you are now a Green Bay Packer. We're going to give you a ticket. So you can fly, fly in here tomorrow morning. I said, dog, I got my truck. I'm getting in it, and I'll see you tonight. <laughs> I ain't even go back to my locker. I don't even know what's – my locker could be still there with all my stuff in there. I didn't even go back to my locker. I jumped in my truck, packed my stuff, and left. Uh, why was that, Gilbert? Was it the experience in the Vikings camp? Was it the fear of not getting your job back? Uh, you know, I, well, I put this way. When I got to Green Bay and I saw Reggie White, I saw Brett Favre. I saw guys helping each other. Yeah. Mike Holmes said, there's no rookie hazing here because a young guy can't concentrate on learning all these plays when he got to be hazed all the dang time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So on top of that, it was a team environment, man. You know, like in Minnesota, it was like they had like, they got the lockers, but it was like lockers that was, 
you know, section off. In Green Bay, it's a big circle. So everybody can see each other. Everybody can talk to each other. That's no clicks, no nothing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it was a great, it was a great, I, I thank God because Minnesota was a hustling, bustling city, man, and everything. And the only thing going on in Green Bay at the time was Best Buy. So, so I, I, I can, I, I can slow down. I can relate and I can get my craft and be better. So I was like, thank God that, you know, I had the opportunity to do that. And was it daunting, Gilbert, to go in uh, to a locker room and see Reggie White standing there in front of you? Hey, yeah, man, because I was like a fan. I was like a groupie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I also was like a sponge because I wanted to soak up everything that came out of his mouth. Because here it is, the greatest defensive lineman ever, and I'm playing with him? Yeah. I got to sit here and I got to soak this stuff up, man. I got to do it. Did he take on that role? Did he tutor you? Or did you just have to learn by watching him? Man, no, he... You learn by watching. You learn by listening. You learn. He would pull you to the side so you didn't do that right now. Here, let me show you. You know what I'm saying? Why, why would he do that with a rookie? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why would he do? Why would he waste his time? This guy's a veteran. He's a, he, you know, but because he understands that if I help this kid out, he's going to become great, and then he's going to make the team great, and then we're going to win championships. I ain't going to be selfish and just worry about myself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, Gilbert, looking at you then, I mean, you were a big lad, you're a big guy. There's all these stories, you know, the Gilbert Burger and all that. Was your weight ever an issue in Green Bay? Did anybody ever tell you that you needed to slim down or were they happy with your oh, weight? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They find you every, they find your ass every time they get, they try to get their money back now. <laughs> and, that's, and that's one of the reasons they do it. I mean, it, but you know, what? I had a defensive coordinator and I love, I mean, to me, Mike Holmgren is one of the best coaches I ever had. Yeah. But for me, with with uh, Fritz Sherman, I mean, he always had my back. You know, I would be so frustrated because they fuss. I'll be, I'll be like, man, they always fuss about my weight, but on fourth and two and third and one, and I'm getting the job done. They ain't, they ain't bitching in, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. you know, it's to the point where I had we had a coach like Fritz. He would come down every practice and stand there and watch us because he knows that it always starts up front. Yeah, it always starts up front. If you take care of your horses, they will take care of you. And that's how I was, man. That's how I was with with Fritz, man. And when you got a defensive coordinator like that, man, you you go through a wall for him if you had to. And that's how our defense was because we believed in his system and we believed in the things he told us. And I mean, what type of interaction do you have with the likes of Mike Holmgren? Do you only deal with Fritz, or does Holmgren come around and speak to you? No, no, Mike Holmgren comes around. It's like I put it this way: it's like. We could be, everybody can be in there in the locker room, everybody clowning around, acting like two-year-old, wrestling or playing uh, dominoes or doing something. Then Mike Hogan walk in, everybody sit up like they're in school, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then when he walked through the hall, he walked back and, and, and go through the other way through the locker room, he leaves, everybody back to acting crazy again. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but you could tell he was an offensive coach. There's no doubt, there's no doubt about it. Fritz was a defensive man. So, Fritz was like Fritz was like dad to us. Mike Holmgren was like the uncle. Yeah. And that's how I went for the offense too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so I mean, but we live with that. Everybody understand that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Gilbert, I mean, you were so driven, as you said, from the start. It's something that you always wanted to do. You wanted to care for your mother and make sure that you'd never have to worry about anything ever again. 93, you mm-hmm. played two games. 94, you get the anterior cruciate ligament uh, damage. 
I mean, do you remember really? that incident happening? And when it happened, does as an athlete, does that click in your head and go, oh no, you know, I've guys behind me looking to take my spot and now I'm injured. Does that worry you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at it like, like this, man, you know, you say you're driven to do certain things. You're trying to get on top and you're fighting and scratching your way through everything. And then I believe, I remember the game uh, vividly. It was a Detroit game. Yeah. And the guy peeled back and, and, and hit me on the back of my leg. My mama was there. You know what I'm saying? In Detroit. Tore my knee up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And all I could think about after that surgery was getting that knee right and getting back out there. I slept. It was a machine that is called a mobilizer where you have to get in it and it hurts like a dickens. Yeah. Because it bends your leg up and it bends your leg down. I slept in that damn thing so I can get back on my feet. Because that's how uh, that's see. You got to understand me. I, football was not just a game to me. Football was not just a check to me. If you recall, I left a million dollars on the table to stay back in Green Bay to finish my career in Green Bay. Yeah. Because that's how much football means to me. That's how much the Green Bay Packers means to me. There's no amount of money or anything that's going to take me from there. And, and, and I try to prove that every year I play. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's that's the frustrating thing is that, I mean, for a man who was so driven, you were hit with the anterior cruciate injury, but then you also got the elbow injury in 95. I mean, was yeah. there any point that you, where you were thinking, like, gee, when are these injuries going to stop? Well, it's, it, it, see, that's the thing. you got to understand my position. Yeah. My position, all that stuff is just, I mean, for, for a guy to play at my position 10 years straight, oh, oh, oh I had a year off for nine years and then a 10-year, uh, but I played with it for 10 years. That's a that's to me that's an amazing feat, man. Because you're getting two double teams, you're getting three double teams, you're getting guys stepping on, you got guys falling on, you got guys kicking on, you got guys spitting on you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the and the and and the stress of two three hundred pounders pushing on you for four quarters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Something's gonna give. Something's gonna give. You know. But you gotta ask yourself. You know, am I a man? Do I want to play this game? Am I a gladiator? Am I sitting here in the like a Roman guy going out here on this field fighting for something that I want? Yeah. Heck yeah. So that's the type of guy I am. I love the challenge. I mean, pain is pain and we're going to keep going. You know? Yeah, because I was in an interview with Stephen Jackson. Uh, he was the running back for the Rams. I think he was playing for the Rams at the time. He's since mm-hmm. moved on. But he, he remarked that he was just constantly in pain. Just every day he was in pain. The offseason, yeah. he got to slowly repair. But then back in the yeah. regular season, it was like a car crash every game. Did you experience yeah. that, Gilbert? And do you still experience injuries from back in the day that you're just always in pain? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that's the price that you play. You going I mean, you put your body on the line. You you gonna pay a price for playing this game for so long. But I tell you what, I wouldn't change it for nothing in the world. And if I can do it again, I do it again. There's nothing I can say that would tell me I'm not. I didn't want to be a football player. I loved it. I enjoyed it. And and if I could, I could do it. I would do it all over again. Go through the injuries again. Go through the rehab again. That's how much I love the game, man. You just don't understand. It's like. Every time in the summertime since I ain't been playing, and you come outside and you smell the grass being cut, and you, and you smell the – it's that time. Your body just starts sweating, man. It starts itching because you're, it's in your DNA, man. Yeah. It's something that you cannot get out. And it's something that's just so uh, amazing to, grow, to go through in your life. And it's a void when it leaves. 
And you're trying to figure out a way to how to fill that void, you know, because like I said, if I go out and start choking folks again, I won't be talking to you on the phone. <laughs> well, you might be, but from prison in, for 10 minutes with your free call. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, Gilbert, I mean, looking at your career, it's, it's, you know, you're obviously dominant. You're a Packer legend. You're an absolute fan favorite. Um, and you had that fantastic career, which reached its pinnacle in 1996 with Super Bowl 31. Do you remember much about that season? Do, do you still get the feeling of how dominant you were? And I was talking to Leroy Butler, and he was saying that there was a swagger about the Packers, that when someone said to them that they were going to win the Super Bowl, you guys were like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, Do you remember being that confident and thinking that you were going to win that trophy? Absolutely. I mean, we looked at each other for strength, you know. And and the thing that, that, that sets it apart is that, you know, I, I put it this way, you know, we have we had one of the most dominant defensive lines that that year or, or the even the year after that. When you look at us, man, I mean you got Reggie standing at six five, six six. You got Santana standing at six five. You got Sean Jones at like six eight. Yeah. And then you got me coming in at a measly six three <laughs> where Fritz called us three oaks in a stump. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but you should see those people's eyes when they broke that huddle and they turn around and run up to the line and see us for the first time. Yeah. They're like, oh, boy. And we shaking our head like, yep, it's going to be that type of day all day long. And that's how it was, man. Intimidation and, and just trying to do the things that we need to do to play the game, man. Yeah, and I mean, was it a extreme highs to extreme lows with the next year when you fell short in the Super Bowl? Was that one of the most crushing defeats of your whole career? No, oh, heck yeah, man! I don't. I haven't seen that game to this day. I don't even want to look at this game to that day. To this day, I mean, it's just it's just one of those things where it was just horrible, man. It was just it was just a feat that uh, you know you you you. You, that one got away from us, you know, and it's just one of those things where you, you I even hate talking about it. So let's move to the next question. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, you went on to play a good few years after that. 97, you had your career high in sacks, uh, you know, a couple of 94, 98 and 99. You played all 16 mm-hmm. games. I mean, injuries weren't an issue for you. So when year 2000 swung around and you had that year off, I mean, is that something that you saw coming? Well, it was a tough year for me, man, because, you know, I, I um, that was my humbling year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got hurt. You know, the Packers didn't sign me back. You know, I, I got, I, I just sat on the couch, man, and I got up to like 420 pounds, you know. And I was just feeling sorry for myself. And the thing that got me was, um, I was, uh, Santana and it was like, come on, man, come on, hang out with us, man. So I said, you know what? They said, what, well, you know, come on. So we hung out and then I took him back to, uh, the team meeting, they had a uh, team meeting one day, yeah. and I just saw them get out, and they had went on and got Russell Maryland, you know, and and I just saw them going in, and it just killed me, you know what I'm saying? And and that's when I just said, you know what, I need help. I went down to Kansas, got my old strength coach Fred Rowe, and we bust our ass, man, and and I got down to 335 pounds from 420 pounds that's to be ready for next year. And when I got back next year, the Packers saw what kind of shape I was in. They said, okay, we're going to sign you, but we're not giving you your job back. That's Russell Maryland's spot. Yeah. You got to earn it back. So me being the competitor that I am, I walked in the training camp. I saw Russell Maryland sitting there. I shook his hand. I said, hey, man, I know you. You know me. But I'm going to get my job back before the first game. <laughs> and we battled. How did he react to that? 
I, I, I wouldn't. I didn't care what he said. I walked off. <laughs> we battled. I mean, I, I ain't had no ill will against him or anything, but he got my job. Yeah. And I worked so hard to get that damn job, and I'm not giving that job up that easy. So I bust my ass. We battled that training camp. We battled our ass off. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Until one day, I walked back in the locker room, looked around. I said, where's Russell at? They said, he gone, man. I said, oh, really? Well, I said, I guess who the star nose tackle is for the Green Bay Packers again. <laughs> and did you feel sorry for him at all, Gilbert? No. <laughs> Why would I feel sorry for him? Hell no. Would you think he'd feel sorry for me? Hell no. We was battling for a position. Yeah. We was battling for a job. And I, like I say, I shook his hand and I told him, I said, best man win the job. And if I'd have lost, I would have lost. And I'd have been a backup or they would have cut me or whatever it was. I became the man again back at my job. And that's what happened. And did you have a different perspective when you were playing games then? I mean, did you sort of think that you were kind of, you know, getting a second chance or was it just same old, same old? Well, actually, actually I did. I, I got it. The Green Bay Packers again gave me a second chance to play football again. I ain't going to squander that away again. You know what I'm saying? So I bust my ass, I kept the job, and I played football for as long as I can. And from speaking to a number of players, I mean, you know, I've had a lot of retired players on the podcast and some current players for the Packers like Mason Crosby. But one thing that all sort of professional players have in common is is you never want to see the end of your career. You never see it coming. Did you see the end of your career after that second chance or did you think that you'd play on like forever? No, I, I wanted to play. Well, see, Mike Holm, uh, not Mike, Mike Sherman made that decision for me. Yeah. You know, because I, I, if you remember that last year I played, I played with a torn bicep. Yeah. But I love the game so much. I didn't want to sit out that year and, and have surgery. Mm. I wanted to keep playing. I wanted to show these guys how dedicated I am to this game. So I played my ass off for as long as I can with one arm. And I figured in the off season we'll figure out a way to get it right. You know, because I had just signed a three-year deal, four-year deal there. I was going to finish up. I was going to do three more years, and then I was done after that. But Mike Sherman came up to me and said, hey, man, thank you for your, thank you for your service, but we're going to have to let you go. Yeah. So he made that up for me. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't going to play for anybody else. And why was that? Why was that, Gilbert? Why did you leave a million on the table, and why was it only the Packers? Because because there's no other team. I tell you, I, this is sum it up for you. Okay, I was going. I was been working there for ten, eleven. Let's say eleven years. Eleven years because of my year I was hurt. Let's say eleven years. Green Bay Packers. When you walk into twelve sixty five Lombardi Avenue, they got a hallway that you go down. That we used to go down to go in the to the uh, locker room every day. In there is banners of all the championships that the Green Bay Packers ever had. In there is pictures on the wall of all the great players. You, when you walk down the hallway to go into work every day, for 11 years, the hair on the back of my neck stood up every day I went to practice. Yeah. How in the hell could you leave that? No amount of money. No amount of nothing is going to take me away from not getting that feeling every day I go to work. And on top of that, you got the greatest defensive lineman of all times you're playing with, the greatest quarterback 
arguably of all times there. Why would you leave that for amount of money? Now, when I went to the locker room, everybody thought I was stupid and crazy because I left all that money on the table. But to me, I was the happiest guy in the world because I got an opportunity to play with the Green Bay Packers again. Yeah. Is it hard to adjust because uh, the whole Brett Favre, you know, there was a documentary on him when he, you know, it was called Favre's Return when he came back to Lambeau. He was accepted after that whole stint with the Vikings. He went into mm-hmm. the Packers Hall of Fame. But he mm-hmm. remarked in that program, he said, you know, before uh, people were opening doors for you, screaming your name, you'd walk out to 60,000 fans. He said, now, mm-hmm. no, now nobody cares. I mean, how, how hard is it to adjust to having a stadium of fans and then having none of that again? I mean, is it incredibly difficult your first day watching the Packers play and you're not on the team? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, it's hard to watch it on TV. It's hard to do anything, man, because you 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 want to be a part of it, you know. And you, you the old saying, "You sucks when you get old," because we got to get old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But but you know, going to the Brett Favre thing, man, I booed his ass too when he went over there and put that purple on. I didn't cheer for him not one time. Yeah. I booed the hell out of him when he was with the Jets and all the other stuff. I didn't care about that. But when he went over there, you know, you knew you understand what he was doing. Yeah, but you also know that I ain't gonna cheer for that guy. I can't do it. Once he got done and came back as a Green Bay Packer, you know, I never lost any love for him. But like you say, he had that purple on. I can't cheer for him. I can't do it. But once he took that crap off, you know, and came back and did what he had to do, man. I, I mean, I, everybody in their mind knew that he was gonna retire as a Green Bay Packer. Period. Everybody know that. You know what I'm saying? He going through, they're going through this little phase right now, and that's what happened. But everybody knew what was going to happen in the end, and I'm glad it happened the way it did. Yeah. And so life after football, uh, then, Gilbert, I mean, were you set up for it? Were you prepared? And were you ultimately happy then after football and when you got busy? Well, no, I wasn't happy that I can't choke nobody no more. I keep telling you that. <laughs> but but you know what, man? I'm not, I'm, you know, it's it's, it's it's in your DNA, man. It's, we every I struggle with it. I struggle with it. I try to do things to keep my mind off of it. I got me a foundation, GilbertBrownFoundation.org has over 144 different charities. Yeah. Um, it, it, and I help kids. Uh, and my main focus is helping kids. So I do things like that. You know, I I enjoy cars. I got like 26, 28 cars at home. I mean, I enjoy doing a lot of different things, man. But there's nothing that can fill that void of football. So I struggle with that every day. Yeah. But I do things to keep my mind off of it. But it always comes back to the football deal. Because I always tell everybody, 60,000 people ain't cheering for me when I'm taking out the garbage on Wednesday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I got to figure that out. But but like I say, man, I, I bless that God has let me see the, I wake up and see the ceiling every morning and and my kids and, and different things like that. So I'm blessed with a lot of things, but there's still that void that you can never shake. I don't care what they say. Yeah, but you're still quite uh, closely tied with the Packers, aren't you? You do the tailgate tours and stuff like that? Yeah, we do a lot of different things. I mean, we. I mean, but that it ain't the same, man. I mean, you can't, you can't, it's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same being out there competing and going against another man and, and trying to see who's better and, and and it's not the same, you know. I mean, you you can do things that fluff stuff if you want to, if you want to call it that. But yeah. it's not the same as out there competing. Nothing, nothing takes a uh, thing like that. And what about coaching, Gilbert? I mean, I know you were doing the Legends League, but is there anything? Would you have plans to go into maybe high school coaching and work your way up? I did all kind of different coaching, man. I did, I did the the Legends deal. I did, uh, I did some arena football. I mean, I'm I'm taking my lumps. I'm understanding. I'm not. 
I'm not, I don't want to be a, a, a college. I mean, I want to be a college head coach one day, yeah. but I don't, I don't, um, I don't think I can do NFL coaching right now because it demands so much of your time, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing that we have to do. It, it, it demands so much of your time. Yeah. And then finally, then if we can sort of put your cheese head hat on you, the fan hat, Coming into this season now, Gilbert, is this one of the most promising seasons that the Packers have ahead of them with, you know, we have uh, Devontae Adams with an extra year under his belt. Jeff Janis looks promising. He just needs to be able to run his routes properly. Aaron Rodgers, you know, arguably now in his prime, they, you, these should be the best years that uh, we're going to get out of him. Uh, the defense is looking better. Mike Daniels was, I think he was the fourth best player in his position last year. Is this the year for the Packers to go all the way to the bowl? I think the boys are going to make it this year. I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I really do. I really do think that they got the formula to get it done. If don't nobody gets hurt, if one of their main guys get hurt, then we're gonna be in trouble. But I think we got the formula to make it work. I think we got a formula and a great team to make it do certain things that we want to do. But I always tell everybody, no matter Aaron Rodgers or Eddie Lacy or or uh, Clay Matthews, discount double-checking, the long, pretty hair, they ain't worth a damn unless the big boys up front doing their job. Yeah. And that's what that worries me, is offensive line and defensive line. You're only as good. You guys got to remember this now. You are only as good as those two deals because I don't care. You got We got the greatest quarterback in the world, but he can't do nothing laying on his back. Yeah. He can't do nothing if he can't sit there and read the read the defense. You know what I'm saying? So offense and defense line starts up front, period. Spoken like an absolute defensive legend. You're uh, showing your colours there anyway, that's for sure, Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to say, right. uh, thanks again, Gilbert, for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. And hopefully later on in the season, as we make our way towards that uh, Super Bowl with an unbeaten record, we can get you on again and see what your thoughts are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would love to come back on, man. I would love to come back on and, and, and holler at y'all. And don't forget my Twitter, at Gilbert Brown. I need more followers, so blow me up and check me out. I, I do all kind of crazy stuff. I'm big on the bullying stuff for the kids and stuff like that. And, yeah. and uh, like I say, I'm always trying to help out. So I appreciate you guys having me on your show.